So let's go ahead and just, uh, I want to share some thoughts um, that focus on a parable that I think has been totally mistaught that I think will help us see some things about the grace of God. Let's, let's jump into that real quick. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We thank you for this time, for this church, for the saints. We pray, Lord, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the awesome good news that has come to earth. The message that was proclaimed at your birth has not changed. We bring you great joy. Good news of a great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It's as if it happened yesterday. For a thousand years is like a day with you, Lord. And a day is like a thousand years. The message hasn't changed. Good news of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. The good news of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, to all nations, and then shall the end come. And then that which is invisible shall be seen and made visible. And they shall see you coming with great glory. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. In the Gospel of Luke, there's a parable that has been, I believe, mistaught, misunderstood. Let's take a look at that. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. And I think you'll recognize it right away. You've probably read it before, and you probably, like, like I did, like, said, that doesn't fit, seem like, you know, what Jesus has been talking about and teaching. And what does this mean? Luke 17. And the key to understanding this parable, I think, is, well, there's two things. First, verse 5, 17.5, the question that the uh, disciples ask are actually the request they made. They made a request of Jesus in, in verse 5. They asked the Lord to increase their faith. Increase our faith, Lord. So, first of all, that's the, that's the, uh, the request. He responds to their question or their request increase our faith, or how can we have more faith, if you want to put it in a question, with this parable. So let's, go, let's see what he says about this. This is pretty cool. And the other thing that is the key to this parable is a comma. Just a comma. In the Greek, there are no commas. There, are, there is no uh, punctuation marks in the Greek language. Zero. If you want to emphasize something in the Greek, you say it several times. Like, I will never, 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 never leave you, never, never leave you. In English, we just say, I will never leave you, exclamation mark. There is no punctuation in the Greek. This is written in the Greek, translated into English. So anytime you see a period or a comma, it's English trying to translate what the Greek is saying. An exclamation mark. That's why you hear um, translations like, truly, truly, I say to you, verily, verily, I say to you. The Lord repeats it in the Greek to emphasize, but in the English, we would just say, truly, exclamation mark. See? So, there's a comma in this parable that men have placed. And I believe I can prove to you today that this 
comma totally switches the meaning of this parable. So if you take the comma out and read it without the comma, watch what happens. And that's how, that's how these things can happen. You know, men are translating things, and you've got chapters, you've got verses that are added. You know, the actual numbers are added, commas are added. So anyway, just be aware that once you know the truth, if something doesn't seem to fit, look at it closer and closer and see what is really being said. Okay, verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, verse 6, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, before I get to 7, 8, 9, 10, where the comma comes up, just a quick reference to the mustard seed. It wasn't, what, it's not my intent to go over that parable right now because he's actually talking about two parables here. He starts off with the mustard seed. Then he goes to a different parable and talks about um, servants working for masters. But um, the, the mustard seed parable, just remember this, saints. We've heard that taught that if you had faith like a mustard seed, as small as a mustard seed, just a tiny bit of faith, that's all you need to move mountains. But that's not what he's saying there. If you read the, the, the longer version in the other Gospels of the mustard seed parable, what the Lord is saying there is that the mustard seed, though it be the littlest, the smallest among the seeds in the vegetable garden, yet when it is fully grown, it is larger than all the other plants in the garden. So, what is he saying there? Faith as a mustard seed. He's talking about the mustard seed as if it's a person, in a sense. He personifies things all the time. You're like, the rocks will cry out. The mustard seed has faith. So when he says, have faith like a mustard seed, it's almost like he's saying, that little mustard seed over there has faith. That even though it is the tiniest of all the other seeds, it doesn't fret when it looks at the other big seeds all around him. You see? Because he knows what is inside of him. He knows who he is. And I don't care how tiny I look now as he talks to the other seeds. When I'm fully grown, you're going to be looking up to me. You know? I'm going to be bigger than all the other vegetables because I know who I am. I know what's inside of me. That's the faith that moves mountains. No matter what it appears like, do you know who is inside of you? Do you know who you are? If you had faith like a mustard seed, though it starts so tiny and ends so bigger than all, then you could move mountains. Isn't that cool? All right, so let's go. That's, that's the first thing he mentions. Now let's look at, now from now on you'll know the true meaning of the mustard seed parable is not this stuff like, oh, if you had just a little bitty, tiny bit of faith, you can move mountains. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this whole thing that he described about the mustard seed. Because remember, Jesus talked about, oh, ye of little faith. He actually rebuked them for little faith. He wants us to have great faith. Yeah. See? So it's not a matter of having a little teeny weeny bit of faith. He wants to have a lot of faith. He wants to have big faith. He wants to be confident. In fact, he got excited twice. I love what Joseph Prince said about Jesus getting excited about great faith twice. He got very excited when he saw the centurion have great faith. He said, no, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. A Gentile had great faith. And there was another woman who had great faith. Oh, yeah, that's the woman, the, another Gentile who said, 
when Jesus said, I have come to give the bread to the house of Israel first, and then she as a Gentile said, but even the masters let the dogs eat the crumbs. And he turned to her and he said, woman, great is your faith. Because he saw she pushed through the, the resistance that he put up to see what she would do. And she pushed through and said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And he, he rejoiced in that faith. See? So only twice Jesus got excited about faith and they were both Gentiles. And Joseph Prince brought out, I've never heard this, I think he's right on. He said, he prayed and prayed like, why? What's the key to these? Why would the Lord say great faith to these two people, a centurion and this woman? And he said, the Lord showed him, and I think he's right on. He said that it's because they were not under the law. Both Gentiles. They could believe Better and more readily and more powerfully than those who have been raised with a steady diet of law. For the law is not of faith. Isn't that awesome? The Gentiles, the Gentiles in the book of Acts ends with the Jews. Paul saying to the Jews, you have considered yourself unworthy of this salvation. So the message will go to the Gentiles and they will believe it. You know, because they were like so steeped in law and it's it's it was actually more difficult for someone who's raised in law to believe than someone who didn't have any law. For the Jews who sought their right for righteousness by the works of the law did not find it. But the Gentiles, who were not seeking for it, who were not under law, found it. Because they believed. They simply believed. Isn't that cool? Okay, let's look at this parable real quick. Awesome, awesome. Okay, here we go. Verse 7, here we go. This is the second parable. He's talking about increasing faith. Verse 7. Which of you having a slave, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you may eat and drink? He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, comma, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Okay, we've heard that parable before. And if you're like me, I read that and I felt like, God, that just doesn't fit. He's telling me I should say I'm an unworthy slave and I should just realize that I'm just doing my duty. Is that what he's trying to teach me? That increases my faith? Hmm. Or is he saying this? Take the comma out. Verse 10. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, oh, I'm sorry. I see, I, that's, I got the comma again and when I just read it. Take the comma out. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, you say, we are unworthy slaves or servants. We have done only that which we ought to have done. What he's saying there, see, just right above that, look at verse 9. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded. Then the next verse, so you too... In other words, you act like this. You, you on earth act like this. 
You, I mean, what, what master has a slave that comes in from the field and says, Slaves, servants, sit down and I will serve you. No, you don't, you don't do that. You say on earth, when the servants come in, fix my dinner first, the master first. And then after I've eaten, then you can eat. And you see yourself like that with God. You say, you say to yourself, we are just unworthy, unprofitable servants. We've just done our duty. That's what you say. That's what he's saying. He didn't say say that. He said that's what you say. That's how you think. That's how you think. That's how you say. That's why your faith is small. You see yourself as a slave. I'm going to prove it to you in a second. I know you're doubting that this is what. Watch. This is so cool. He is saying in this parable that you have in your mind a slave mentality. You see yourself as unworthy, unprofitable, a slave that you're just doing your duty. Which flies in the face of everything Jesus taught. Are you not more valuable than many sparrows? Unworthy? Unprofitable? Yes, unworthy in ourself, in our flesh, in our sins. But he has made us worthy. See? Duty or love? See? Slave or sons? See? Okay, so, so in other words, what he's saying here is that God doesn't think like this. Earth thinks like this. Masters require when the servants come in from the fields, the servants feed the master first. And then after the master is fed, then the servants eat. It's unheard of that the master would serve the servants coming in. It's just not done on earth. So what he's saying is that God is just the opposite. God is just the opposite. I'll prove it to you. He said it already in this gospel. Look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 is so cool. He's talking about his second coming. The Lord is talking about his return to earth. He's talking about his servants, the harvest, the end of the world. And listen to this. This is so cool. Chapter 12, verse 35. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly, here it is, I say to you, this is how, this is how I think. This is how my father thinks. This is how it's done in heaven. Truly, I say to you that he, the master, will gird himself to serve. And have them, the servants, recline at the table. And he, the master, will come up and wait on them. That is the mindset of God. Because we're not servants and slaves. We're sons, co-heirs, co-laborers, friends, friends of God, sons of God. Jesus, it's unheard of. No, wait, 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 wait. The king is coming back. This is Jesus speaking. This is red letter. 
This is red letter. Jesus is speaking. He's saying, look, this is how the second coming is going to be. When I come back, my sons will recline at the table and I will gird myself and serve them. Ah, ah. And th- that doesn't make you proud. That makes you like, oh my God, no. That's like, Peter, don't wash my feet. No, you can't. You know what I'm saying? The humility of our king. The love of God. The love of God. He's not coming demanding that he has his meal before you have yours. He's coming and saying, no, 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 you sit down. Oh, good and faithful servant, you sit down. I'm going to serve you. And it breaks your heart. It humbles you. It's like, oh, God. So good. And what does that do for your faith? Off the charts. See? Oh, Lord, increase our faith. Show us the Father. Show us the Father's heart and your faith off the charts. He clothes the lilies. He feeds the birds. Show us the Father. Show us the heart of God. When, you, when I return, I shall have you recline at the table, and I shall gird myself and wait on you. It's not done like that on earth. But because it's done like that on earth, you say that that's how your relationship is with my Father. That's why you have a problem with faith. Isn't that cool? Now, forever you know what that parable is really saying. He's not saying for you to say, I'm an unworthy servant. I've only done my duty. No. He's saying that's why you're having trouble with faith. Because you see yourself that way. You say that. And he would refer to things like that all the time. He would say, in your law, it says this. In your law, this. In your law. This world is it's gone. We live in another world. Why do you, as if still living in the world, Paul says, why do you live as if you're still living in this world, touch not, taste not, rules, and why do you see yourself still here? Know you not. We've been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. And in that world... There is a God so full of love that he would, upon his return, have you recline and him gird himself and serve you. No other God. There's no other God like him. No other God. No other king. I love that phrase where it says, the king, oh Israel, your king comes to you. And this, this word I think we miss sometimes in the prophecy of his coming on the on the foal of a donkey, not the donkey, but the, the baby of a do- donkey. Because remember when Jesus said, go get two donkeys, there's a mother and a baby. He didn't just ride on a, he didn't ride on a white horse. He didn't ride on a donkey. He rode on a foal of a donkey. The lowest, 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 the, a baby donkey. And they got the mother so the, the baby would come and not be afraid. So the, the, the baby donkey would follow the mother. But he says, this word I think we miss sometimes in the prophecy, it says, Oh, Israel, oh, Israel, fear not. You're king, fear not. See, you're not, there's nothing to be afraid of when you, when, when, when you have a humble king. There's no fear. Fear not, Zion, for your king comes to you. And this is the word we miss sometimes. Gentle. 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 It's in the prophecy. Gentle, coming to you on, the, on a donkey, even the foal of a donkey, so that I'm totally approachable. 
Even the children could run up and feel welcome. This one who's on the foal of a donkey, not in big white horses and military men all around him and fearful and awe where the children are scared. No, gentle. Your king comes to you on the foal of a donkey. That's your God. Fear not. And that's the God who would gird himself and serve us. But men on earth don't see it that way. Uh-uh, not on earth. No, no, no. The master will never do that. No, no, no. We have to serve him first and then we eat. Yeah, he said that's, he said that's, that's the problem. You think that's the way my father is. Isn't that cool? So cool. Lord, thank you so much for the revelation of your gentleness. David said, thy gentleness has made me great. Oh, God, thank you for being so approachable. So approachable. Thank you, Lord, that we are not unworthy servants just doing our duty as men on earth think. But we are sons. Sons and daughters. And if a son, then an heir. Friends of God. I no longer call you servants, but friends. Sons. Daughters of God. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Helping us see what is real, what is the real Men have distorted what the real is because of sin and selfishness and blindness. But you are the truth, the real. You are what is behind the veil. You show us the Father. No man has seen God at any time, but the Son who comes from the bosom of the Father, He has explained him. He has explained him. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen.